Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And uh, let's let's get uh, let's get started because uh, we're very busy people. Despite it being a, uh, an ongoing pandemic, Tyler's a new father, and yeah. I, as always, I've got you know internets to get to. I've got a sure. I've got to get to fleeting. Have you been fleeting? Uh, I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I knew you would know what that is. Yeah. Uh, Twitter has stories now, the way Instagram has stories, but they're not called stories. They're called fleets, which is uh, they might be hearing from our lawyers. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to get started on movies, uh, um, and uh, these are going to be movies that you can all, all three newer movies that you can find reviews of a Battleship Retention uh, as of this recording. Um, uh, the the first one is Francis Lee's Ammonite, or as I like saying, Ammonite. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, 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 back in 2017, I think. Uh, Francis Lee made a wonderful movie called God's Own Country that I think got a lot of attention uh, in in the UK. Um, and and some attention from from some people here um uh, that clearly got him enough enough attention to 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 warrant a a bigger budget uh bigger stars period piece i think the uh the biggest star in god's own country is uh the dude who played professor quirrell uh in harry oh, potter sure. what's his name ian ian hart I ian hart um but now ammonite stars kate winslet and saoirse ronan nice uh, it is, uh, I guess, historical fiction in that they are both playing real people, but we don't know that the story that happens in the movie actually happens. Kate Winslet plays uh, Mary Anning, who is a real-life uh, geologist uh, who lived in the south of England uh, on, on the coast um, and, uh, and, and made, her, uh, made her name and her living digging up fossils uh, uh, along the seaside and cleaning them up and um, selling them to museums. She was never quite allowed into the Royal Geographical, uh, Geological rather, Society because of her being a woman. But um, that's it. That's who Kate Winslet plays, real person. There's another uh, geologist, uh, and I'm forgetting uh, his name, actually. <laughs> uh something mitchell's mitchelson um okay chim chim richards uh <laughs> stop saying nonsense words that's from anchorman oh okay uh, um it's my one of my favorite moments of that movie. i don't remember it it's when he he prank calls christina applegate pretending to be her doctor or something like that i can't remember that's right and she's like which doctor is this uh, again? And he's like giggling and he's trying to like, he's like, uh, Dr. Uh, Chim, Chim Richards. <laughs> um, all right. That was enough, uh, um, vamping for me to find. Okay. James McArdle plays Roderick, Roderick Murchison, another real life, um, uh, uh, geologist who came through, uh, uh, Mary Anning's, uh, town to, to, st to study with her. And then while he, while he's there, this is what, I, now we're, now we're leaving, 
uh, recorded history into sort of mm-hmm. speculation. Uh, Roderick Murchison actually did have a wife named Charlotte, Charlotte Murchison, uh, played by Saoirse Ronan, who actually did become lifelong friends with Mary Anning. In uh, um, this movie supposes... <laughs> that uh, Roderick left Charlotte behind because she fell ill on their journey and Mary Anning cared for her and that caring turned into something a little bit more than a friendship. Oh. Tyler. Um, and so uh, here, once again, you've got uh, the windswept overcast English countryside and you've got a uh, forbidden uh, homosexual love affair, which is exactly exactly what God's Own Country is about. God's Own Country took place in the modern day and not uh, in the mid nineteenth century. But um, it's a it's a similar approach, I would say, in terms of the passion and the the emotion. Uh, I think diminishing returns a little bit. Yeah, which is. I don't want to sound like I'm panning Ammonite because I actually really do recommend it. It's a beautiful movie, but I, it, but despite Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan being terrific actresses, uh, it, it doesn't reach quite the, the depths of, of, uh, of, of yearning and, and turmoil, um, and the heights of, of love, um, and, and, uh, romance that, that God's own country did. But what Francis Lee is, uh, his what his calling card has become. I mentioned the windswept, overcast uh, countryside. I feel like he's with two features, uh, two dramatic features um, uh, under his belt. Uh, he's becoming. He's already staking his claim as one of our most uh, auditory, orally focused auteurs, yeah. if if you will. Um, his movies are uh, both of his movies are sometimes cacophonous to listen to but in a way that becomes almost like asmr like it it, it becomes like a white noise machine except it's very loud this is you know when she's when she's digging when she's walking along the beach looking for fossils it's not an idyllic stroll along the beach she's like hunched over shivering against the 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 wind that and the the waves are crashing beside her and 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 sand is falling down the embankments and her hair is uh uh whipping every which way uh sorry whipping every which way um uh it's uh as a sound uh experiment and experience uh that's really the word that i should be using is the movie is very experiential uh both of his movies are uh, uh again i don't think ammonite is as um powerful as god's own country was but it doesn't stop me from continuing to be excited about what francis lee is going to be doing in the future uh incidentally a moment ago, you you used a, a turn a turn of phrase. It wasn't even a turn of phrase. It was just you know, uh, you 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 said panning ammonite, which I love. Just the <laughs> phrase the the phrase of it. It sounds yeah. like a a character in a in like a fantasy uh, book or something like that. Yeah, um, that's funny. Um, I have a question. I don't know why I always do this when we're are are into recording. Are you using the right mic input? Oh, son of a bitch! Hang on. I thought I was. It's supposed to like when I plug everything back in. It's supposed yeah. to like switch over automatically. Um, 
Yeah, I believe so. Okay. All right. I think it's just, we've had this problem with my, uh, the audio on my, uh, my end, uh, right. not always sounding clear. So anyway, sorry, we'll leave, we'll, we'll leave that all in for the sure. listeners. Uh, that's how much we care. We didn't, uh, <laughs> we didn't check beforehand. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next up, and for we me. talked for a while beforehand. Before yeah. We started recording. But, uh, well, anyway. because I mean, the truth is that we were like taking care of business Didn't beforehand. <laughs> yeah, working um, overtime every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I guess I don't actually start thinking about how you sound on the podcast until we're recording sure, the podcast. Absolutely. Like. I can, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, moving on to another movie that, uh, uh, just came out, uh, Dan Friedkin's the last Vermeer. This one's not quite as good though. Uh, also a, a period piece. This one's a 19 late 1940s or the 1950s period piece. And also based on a true story. Um, do you know, uh, Tyler about who Han Van Meegeren was? You might, because I think I want to say he's mentioned enough for fake. Oh, uh, I don't recall the name, but, uh, but sure. Uh, he's one of the, one of, if not the most successful art forgers in the history of art forgery. Um, and he, uh, as history has it, as the movie would tell it, the way that we found out he was an art forger was that he was put on trial for collaborating with the Nazis. He was Dutch, um, collaborating with the Nazis and Nazis and selling priceless, Vermeer paintings and other Dutch masters paintings to people like Hermann Goring. Um, mm. uh, and, and so he was on trial for collaborating and basically the way he got off is by admitting to everyone that he didn't sell any Vermeers to the Nazis. He faked them. <laughs> um, and suddenly became, so suddenly Han van Meegeren became, uh, a hero for, you know, bilking <laughs> yeah. Hermann Goring out of, uh, uh, like 1.6 million Dutch, Kroner? What do they use in Dutch in, in, in the Netherlands? I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, so here you've got uh, Guy Pierce playing Han Van Meegeren. And then it's kind of, um, but he's not the protagonist of the movie. The protagonist is, a, a, from what I can tell, an invented character um, played by Kleis Bang from The Square. And uh, oh, okay. um, let's see, what else is he in? Uh, that's the main thing I know him from the square. Oh, I also know him from um, season five of the affair, which I just finished watching. So it was weird seeing, but he, uh, he plays uh, uh, a um, Canadian military officer. Who's uh, he's a sort of Dutch Canadian military officer who's charged with investigating uh, the whereabouts of sort of missing uh, artworks that were believed to be taken from Jewish families and in the Netherlands and, and, and then, um, you know, given or sold off to, to the Nazis. So uh, he goes from being Han van Meegeren's prosecutor in a sense to yeah. being the one defending him when he figures out what this guy did. Um, it's a really like, uh, I mean, I actually tried title my review paint by numbers. It's a really by numbers type of historical fiction um, that uh, I think often especially in the latter in the in the third act which becomes a courtroom drama which that's one of my least fa- I, i'm so i'm so over courtroom dramas for the most part until we get to my next movie sure. um but uh, uh i go in to when something especially when a movie like this is like two-thirds of it is kind of like almost like a detective story right 
And then the last act is just pure courtroom drama. It's like, come on, that really feels like you, you petered out into, into obvious territory. I guess, I guess the, I guess the courtroom drama is one of those things where it feels like it's, it's been done so much and the limitations and structures are so prevalent that it feels like coasting almost when a movie becomes a courtroom drama. It does feel, uh, yeah, when a movie becomes a courtroom drama, that's the issue, I think, because there are plenty of really wonderful movies that are legal thrillers or, or legal dramas, whatever it is. So, of course, the climax will be in the courtroom. That makes sense. Um, but, yeah, when a movie suddenly pivots to this, like, I, I, you know, courtroom, uh, courtroom drama or like some kind of public hearing, like as much as I do enjoy like Al Pacino's big monologue at the end of Scent of a Woman, uh, it's like it doesn't make it, it really doesn't make much sense for them to have this hearing in front of the entire student body. Uh, but that's, right. the pro- that's the thing with when we pivot to that, really what I think it is, is it's the writer and director saying like, hey, we want some big pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want, what can we, what can we add into the story so that characters can do this easily? Yeah. It's actually, um, yeah. So it's, it's the big speeches, but it's also the like last minute reveal of new evidence sure, that happens sure. a couple of times. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't fully recommend the movie, but it's not as lame as it sounds <laughs> because when it is just kind of like a, uh, historical fiction take on de- on a detective story um it has its uh it, it has its uh its its pleasures and its thrills it also has it has a great cast a great international cast so you've got guy pierce australian mm-hmm. uh and by the way none of the people i'm gonna I mean, i'm sure there are dutch people in the movie but i'm gonna name like five actors none of whom are dutch yeah. none of whom is dutch anyway guy pierce australian uh clay spang is uh I'm not sure, actually. He might be Danish. Vicky Creeps from Phantom Thread, nice. who is Danish. I know. Uh, wait, no, she's not Danish. She's from Luxembourg. Okay, so Kleisbang is Danish. She's Luxembourgian. You've got Germany's August Deal as uh, uh, a person with a similar job to Kleisbang's character, who's kind of like rivals. Um, you know, he's the he's the other detective in the bullpen that they don't they don't get along or whatever. Um, and then you've got. I'm pretty sure you know character actors enough that you'll know this person by name, but everyone listening would know this person if they saw them. A Welsh actor named Carl Johnson. Do you know him? If you'd know him, you saw him. He's a guy. He's a guy. The name is so generic. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard to. Yeah. He's a guy who has been playing 90 year olds for the past 35 years. Sure. He's, he, I don't know how old he actually is, but he always plays, uh, uh, these decrepit aging characters. He, he was one of, uh, uh, Pompey's advisors on Rome season one. Oh, sure. Um, uh, yeah, he's in, is he's it, in everything. Is it Carl with a K? Yeah, Carl with a K. Um, in here, he plays the old sort of barrister who's brought out of uh, retirement to oh, defend him. Han Van Meegeren. Yeah, he was in, uh, for, for people our age, he's probably most notable for being in Hot Fuzz. Um, okay. For being like the, the old man who has a big stockpile of, of weapons, including right. a landmine. Right. So Hot Fuzz, 15 years ago, he's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Rome also 15 years ago, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it seems like the guy, he's just been, uh, he, he manages to look really old. And at this point, he yeah. probably is quite old. Uh, he was born in 1948. So that makes him 
uh what only 72 72 yeah oh so he's probably got another 15 years of playing ancient characters ahead of him i don't know what it is about his look but uh anyway uh i've taken too much time what did you watch so this is of course a a rewatch um i haven't had much time uh we've gone into it we've gotten into a phase of uh parenthood where the kids uh require quite a bit so uh it's uh, very exhausting and uh hypothetically rewarding but um (laughs) you know we'll we'll see uh stay tuned um but uh the so i jen and i rewatched a movie that we both love um but uh, and I haven't seen it in a very long time, and that is uh, Robert Altman's Gosford Park, um, a film that I had seen many times. But you know, at this point, it's probably been uh, over ten years since I last saw it. And uh, Jen bought it a while ago on Blu-ray, and so mm-hmm. uh, in watching it, it's like it looks gorgeous. I think I I think I forgot how good looking that movie is. You know, you don't necessarily think of Robert Altman's films as being the best looking, but of course we're dealing with everything that is a world that is so meticulous um, with this mansion and also the way characters are dressed and all that. So it makes sense that the camera movement would be, and, and the art direction would be be so precise and so beautiful. Um, And I mean, obviously the cast is wonderful. The thing that got me this time, the thing that really struck me was the brilliance of the screenplay by Julian fellows, because when you get to the end you have uh, a few scenes of characters explaining something to each other. uh, And it's sort of for our benefit. It's like, there's no question that it's exposition, but it doesn't immediately feel like exposition because these two characters are talking about a third character and there has been gossip, both notable and petty all throughout the movie. And so, and it's characters constantly saying, Oh, you know what? I heard about this person. You know, I heard about that person. Um, so that finally when like some very important exposition comes along, uh, it doesn't really stand out. It doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like a cheap way of, of, uh, exposing this information. And I remember just thinking like, man, that's, I mean, it's, if there was, if there was ever any, you know, subgenre or whatever you want to call it, where you can really get away with exposition, I guess it is like the, uh, the, the backstabbing nature of like the well-to-do uh, who are constantly talking about each other. Um, and I remember thinking like that is, man, there's a reason that that movie won best uh, original screenplay. Um, and just as a movie, you know, it's, I, I do think that because Julian Fellows went on to produce Downton Abbey, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. probably see Gosford Park maybe as just sort of the precursor to that. But of course, it's not purely a Jul- Julian Fellows film. It is still Robert Altman. You were talking before about taking a, a soundscape that would seem in in a way, maybe not chaotic, but it would definitely seem full. And then using that to really create uh, some sounds that can be comforting. Um, and it, and it also forces you to pay attention. Like it's a dinner party. So when all these people are talking, you, you know, every once in a while in the mix, like one bit of conversation will come up and you need to pay attention to that. But if you're, if you're not really focusing, you'll miss it. And so it, you know, it's, uh, Altman has always been really good at like dealing with overlapping dialogue. And I think maybe in this film more so than, than any of his others. Uh, and it is, in my opinion, it is really just a masterpiece. And I recognize that a lot of it is kind of a, a modernizing of uh, rules of the game 
but I think it's good on its own as well. And it's definitely worth, worth watching. So if people haven't seen it or if they consider it, I don't know, minor Altman or inessential or whatever, I'd mm. say, uh, I'd say check it out because I've seen it multiple times and, uh, and I see, I find something new to appreciate about it every time. Uh, all right. Finally for me was a, a very big and very pleasant surprise, uh, partially because it's a courtroom drama that I loved, okay. but also because, uh, Tyler, as you know, as listeners know, I haven't generally been a fan of the films of Steve McQueen, not the great escape uh, motorcycle sure. riding Steve McQueen, the, sure. the currently active living uh, director, Steve McQueen. Um, but uh, I don't know if you've heard about his new venture. Uh, it's, it's airing in the UK. It's airing on the BBC here. It's uh, an Amazon prime uh, anthology of five films five feature films um it's being treated as tv if you look at it on imdb it's showed like small axe axe uh is the name of the anthology if you look it up on imdb it's like small axe tv series and each feature is an episode but these are feature films this movie that i watched yeah. is called mangrove and it was two hours and nine minutes long that's a feature film you yeah. know um uh and but the uh, and it's only it's only one of the small films I've seen so far because I'll be watching them and reviewing them the week of release. Uh, you can read my review now. Um, uh, it, it shows up on Amazon Prime on Friday. The uh, the mangrove does. Um, but small X overall is stories about uh, the uh, black experience in the UK. Um, uh, I think uh, I haven't looked too far ahead to know if they're all like um if it's specifically about like uh west indian uh immigrants and their uh descendants but that's what mangrove is about mangrove is uh, a, a true story of a um there was a restaurant called the mangrove restaurant it was a west indian restaurant uh in the notting hill neighborhood which is this is before notting hill gentrified and became the setting for roger sure. michelle's notting hill it was for a long time a uh black neighborhood of mostly west indian um uh, uh people in 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 london uh, and there was a, a restaurant there that opened in the late 60s um that was repeatedly targeted for raids and whatever by the by the police um for no real reason uh, other than harassment. And uh, after a couple of years of this, uh, there was a, a protest, a demonstration outside the Notting Hill police uh, uh, station. Um, they probably have a fancy, a different word for station in the sure. UK. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Um, uh, concern. I don't know what it would sure, be yeah. called. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, the uh, nine people who went on to become known as the Manger of Nine were arrested um, for uh, uh, for inciting a riot, um, and their trial, uh, uh, which went on for months, uh, is kind of a. Uh, from what I'm understanding, uh, having watched the movie and read about it afterwards, is a, a landmark in the sort of race relations history of uh, the UK in general, but London in in particular. And so, um, uh, Manger of the movie uh, details it starts with the opening of the restaurant and and um, goes up to the protest, and then the second half, if not more, of the movie is just uh, the trial. Um, and, uh, it's 
super exciting and uh, uh and and electric and it's it's the movie is so much more alive than hmm. how steve mcqueen's movies tend to make me feel sure I, uh and the way i'll paraphrase my own review um is that uh um what while mangrove still has a lot of the steve mcqueen visual flourish those aesthetics are in service of the film as opposed to the other way around, which is how sometimes his movies feel to me. Um, uh, So there's still, uh, you know, a a very meticulous control of the color palette. There's beautiful scope, you know, widescreen. He loves widescreen uh, compositions with symmetry. There's some uh, very ostentatious framing, you know, the part where uh, a guy gets thrown into like a solitary jail cell while he's uh, uh, awaiting trial. And the door gets slammed behind him and he's screaming at, you know, through the door at his jailers, at the yeah. officers of the court. And the camera's just in a fixed position um, in like sort of in the middle of the door. And so you're seeing him, uh, uh, you know, yell and rage. And then he uh, gets closer to the door and starts pounding on it. And the camera doesn't move. So you've got this guy letting loose this, this just string of righteous fury and the camera is just looking at like the placket of his shirt like the buttons of his of his shirt because the camera doesn't move yeah. or, or or doesn't doesn't cut um that's a very steve mcqueen type thing to do and yet here yeah. there's so much there's so much emotion it's almost like you couldn't i i couldn't bear to see this guy's face with the anguish right. he's going through in this moment um uh, there's a couple of uh, of things like that um the cast is also very good um uh, there's a lot of, um, there's only one person whose name I went in knowing, which is Letitia Wright, who played Shuri sure. in Black Panther. And here she plays a Black Panther, which is interesting. Um, but uh, uh, a couple of the people that I recognized and had to look up where I knew them from, uh, one is uh, Jack Loudon, who played the brother in Fighting oh, yeah. With My Family. Yeah. And the other guy is a guy named uh, Malachi or Malachi uh, Kirby, who played Kunta Kinte in the remake of the roots miniseries from a few years ago um which was really good i don't remember if you uh watched I that i didn't uh, see it and, and actually uh, i forgot it existed until just now oh yeah it's uh it's it's quite good paul and i talked about it on hey watch this um uh, uh quite a bit um uh so yeah great uh, uh really good movie i would say it's my favorite movie of steve mcqueen's career there are four more coming in the next four weeks yeah. uh so we'll see has he not i guess he hasn't made a movie since 12 years a slave no he right made, he made widows oh that's right yeah and that was what 2017 17 or 18 i don't remember exactly man so he made five movies in a very short amount of time these five small acts movies that are all coming out um so now i'm like i'm really looking forward to what else he does um i think this is his best movie so far 